Sacred Little Sluts, it's Stephanie Pappas, and welcome to the Sacred Slut Podcast. Today, Robin Dalzin is joining us. She's a somatic sex and intimacy coach and a consent educator. We really dive into expanding what consent is and how to bring balance to our relationships with clear agreements and being able to notice how much we can really allow ourselves to receive and surrender and how generous we're willing to be when giving. She recommends some amazing practices of how you can start noticing your limits and communicating them in your love life. So without further ado, let's welcome Robin to the Sacred Slut Podcast. Robin is an ex-Mormon turned pleasure revolutionary. She is a somatic sex and intimacy coach and a consent educator. She's passionate about helping people find what brings them joy in their body and in their life. So Robin, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here. It's great to be here with you, Stephanie. (laughs) So my first question I'd love to ask you is, how do you put pleasure first in your life? Oh, great start. Um, (laughs) So I think... First of all, it's useful to define pleasure and what we mean by pleasure, because it is such a loaded word in our culture. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes people hear the word pleasure and they think pleasure means it's something sexual. It's something forbidden. Um, There can be a lot of shame around the word pleasure. And so when I think about pleasure, I think about pleasure in the broadest definition. Pleasure is what brings me joy. And by that definition, it can be just about anything. Mm -hmm. If I turn my focus, I turn my attention to something that brings me joy, there are so many access points to pleasure on a day-to-day basis. And Mm -hmm. so that could be anything from slowing down in the shower and feeling the water on my skin or when I'm putting on lotion and noticing the texture of my skin as, as I put lotion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be slowing down to savor the food that I'm eating or the smells around me. So for me, it's really about slowing down and paying more attention to what's happening all around us all the time. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. So I wanted to find out if you could share a little bit about your story, um, kind of why the wheel of consent became an important tool for you and how you got started in this work. Yeah, and I would say that pleasure actually was the first tool that I found that really started to shift my life and how I lived my life. And it was from um, my own personal experience of burnout and finding myself feeling sick and not being able to engage with my life in the same way. And at that same time, I was introduced to a community of women uh, through the School of Womanly Arts that Mm -hmm. was focused on pleasure and on living a more pleasurable life. 
And when I was introduced to this, it was it was literally revolutionary for me. And and I think that's that that piece in my bio about being a pleasure revolutionary, that when we turn toward and orient ourselves toward pleasure, there is so much possibility for transformation in our lives and to bring about change in our world. And so I think that was my first pivot point in living a more conscious, more fulfilled, um, a more pleasurable existence. And then it was about eight years ago that I was introduced to the model of the wheel of consent, which is about taking apart receiving and giving. Mm-hmm. And understanding what is it to actually receive fully and what is it to give fully and how can we create experiences where we get to experience those without it becoming muddied. Um, so oftentimes we give in order to get something in return for ourselves or mm-hmm. we give because we haven't learned how to ask for what we want. And so this model takes these aspects apart And behind any request is a desire. It's a want. And so in order to ask for what we want, we have to first slow down enough to even notice. Notice Mm -hmm. ourselves. Notice what would feel good. Notice what would feel nourishing or nurturing or playful or fun or sexy or sensual. And so... This felt like such an important complement to all of this work I had done previously around connecting to pleasure and, and understanding what that means. And so it felt like a very natural transition to first like notice, okay, what is it that brings me joy in my life? And how can I connect more with that in my personal life, in my, my alone time, in my own space? And then in relationship with others, how do I then turn my wants and my desires into a clear request, Mm -hmm. which is something that not many of us were taught. We were taught not to be (laughs) selfish. We were Mm -hmm. taught put other people's needs first. And being selfish Um, is like the worst thing you can be called. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. nobody (laughs) wants to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we hide that, we suppress it, we become really good givers, and you know we wear this badge that um, you know I I don't pay attention to my own needs. It's all about everybody else, and even burnout can be a badge of like, look at what a good giver I am. Look how much I have served the world. Now I have nothing left. Mm-hmm. And so this work around the wheel of consent is really about bringing more balance into our relationships and and bringing more consent and clear agreements around engagements that we have. So it's clear, who are we actually doing this for? Am Mm -hmm. I doing something for your benefit or are you doing something for my benefit or am I doing something for my own benefit? Or are you doing something for your own benefit? So there are these different possibilities. And the more clear we can be about what's happening and who it's for, then we can really sink into, okay, if this is for me, 
how much can I allow myself to receive this gift that's coming towards me? Yeah. And if it's really for you, how generous can I be in my giving for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I do think um, that just reminded me of like the thought of being able to surrender in the bedroom. And I feel like with women I work with, at least, that's a huge thing that they desire to be able to do, but it's like a block. And so I think this has so much potential to give you more access into being able to do that when you get really clear about what you desire um, and how to ask for it and, and all of those aspects of this. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Can I say something about surrender? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, you, now you've sent me down another path. So this <laughs> is, um, this is a really great point that you say that so many of us want to go into this place of surrender and and surrender is is actually it's a place of giving and that might sound surprising but the gift that we're giving when we go into a place of surrender is the gift of access mm-hmm. it's the gift of access to our body to our attention to our presence and in that gift we aren't taking the action. It's a different kind of giving. Mm-hmm. We, so we're giving this gift of access. And in order to give that gift, there needs to be someone on the other side who can center their desire and take action toward their desire. Mm-hmm. And it has to be authentic and genuine. So if someone is going to, to take from us from our body and and find their pleasure in our body, Mm -hmm. they have to know also how to be guardians of our limits. Mm -hmm. And so being able to to center their desire, but also be aware of the limits of the person who's giving this gift of access. Mm -hmm. And when we're in that, that place of giving access and going into this place of deep surrender, it's, it's a deep state of relaxation in our nervous system. And, and we have to feel safe in order to go into that place. Mm-hmm. We have to trust that we can speak up and say no, if it feels like too much. And we yeah. have to trust that the other person on the, on the other side is going to, to also have that awareness of our limits and, and be present with us. But it is such a a delicious, sweet place to enter into, um, particularly as, you know, as a couple in intimate relationships, um, we all have a deep longing to be able to enter into that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you were talking, that's what was coming up for me is it really needs to feel safe to surrender. But I love that perspective of it being, it's actually a giving or it's a gift what did you say it's like it's you're really in the giving not in the receiving yeah yeah so we we become the gift yeah I love that so I think on that note like consent has become you know more and more of like a topic recently and everyone kind of like a lot of people realize how important it is 
And I think a lot of the times what I hear is, um, you know, enthusiastic consent. So if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And it's very like cut and dry, yes or no. So can you kind of explain how the wheel of consent really expands this like world of consent for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oftentimes when people talk about consent, it is defined as permission, permission to do something. So I need consent if I want to touch you. So there's something I want to do for my own benefit and it impacts you if I'm going to touch you. And so I have to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. And so that's oftentimes how people use or define consent. It's synonymous with permission. There's actually a broader definition, which is an agreement between two or more people about what may or may not happen. And that's a more useful definition that I find because there are dynamics where I might want you to do something for me. And I need to hear that you're a yes. I might ask, you know, will you, will you give me a, a back massage or will you come over to my house and cook me dinner? And, and so I need to hear a yes from you. And that creates an agreement that we have. It's a consensual agreement. Mm-hmm. So if you say, yes, I'm willing to do that. I'll come over and cook for you or I'll come over and I'll massage your shoulders. That's a, 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 a consensual agreement. That's different from asking for permission. And so this definition for me is more complete when we're talking about consent. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the wheel of consent contributes to this definition is getting even more specific and defining who's, who's this for, who's the one benefiting from the action. Is it me or is it you and who's taking the action? So using that example of if I ask, will you come over and cook me dinner? I'm asking you to do something for me. It's for my benefit. It's what I want. Mm -hmm. And you are the one that's taking action. The other example is if I ask, may I put my arms around you? Mm Mm-hmm. So in that case, that's another example of the permission. I'm asking to do what I want. I want to move towards you. I want to put my arms around you. And again, I need to wait for your affirmative response of yes. Mm -hmm. And without that yes, there's no agreement. There's no consent there. And I think there's there's another aspect to this that I think is important. I you know I love the the approach of enthusiastic consent. Yeah, and I think it's a great like sometimes, baseline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we're not totally enthusiastic, mm-hmm. but there still might be things that I want or need from you, and and I want to be able to ask for that, and I want to know your level of willingness. So so in this work with the wheel of consent, we also take apart the idea of what I want versus what I'm willing to engage in. 
And so if it's about what I want, it's for me and my wants and my desires bubble up from within. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so I have my wants, I have my desires. And if I'm asking someone else to do something for me or to give me access, I'm asking them their level of willingness. And there's a whole spectrum of willingness. Mm -hmm. It might be totally enthusiastic. I'm a hell yes. I want that too. Mm -hmm. Or it might be, that sounds okay. It's not really what I would ask for, but it's what you want and I'm willing to do it for you. Right. Or it might be, I'm just barely willing and, you know, I can, it's not what I would, what would bring me pleasure, but I see that it will bring you pleasure and I'm willing, but only for five minutes. Mm -hmm. Or I'm willing, but only within these parameters. So we set particular limits around that in order to stay in our willingness. Mm -hmm. Or we might hit a point of, no, I'm not willing. And so there's this this whole spectrum of response. And depending on what it is we're talking about and what we're asking for, you might want both people to be in their hell yes, I'm totally willing, I want that. Um, you know, if it's an intimate encounter, it might be that, that there's some negotiating and we're finding out what would feel good for both of us. But there might also be encounters where right now it's about what I want and, and the other person is totally willing to, to give me that as a gift. Mm-hmm. And then Mm -hmm. there might be times when that flips and I step into my willingness in order for someone else to have the things that they want. And so I see this coming up a lot in relationships where couples have mismatched desires. And so um, there might be one person that gets really excited by one thing and another person that gets excited by something that's really different from that. Yeah. And and so rather than saying, no, we both have to be totally excited and enthusiastic about the same things all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, what if we also celebrated our differences and sometimes we do what you want and I can be totally enthusiastic in my willingness. It's not necessarily what I want, but I can give you this gift. And then at other times we do what I feel really excited about and we follow my desire. Mm -hmm. And that for me opens up so much more possibility for connection when we can feel those differences of when we're doing it for me versus when we're doing it for you and how to create those spaces where we both get to explore the things that we want. And we acknowledge that there's not always a match. Yeah. Yeah, it can be really beautiful and exciting to give someone something that you might necessarily, you know, it might not be your desire, but it's your partner's desire. So it's exciting for you to give them um, that particular thing. The first thing that started a couple of things were coming up for me that I want to ask you about. So the first one was like, for me, I'm still a recovering people pleaser. And I know there's so many people pleasers out there. So just in communicating like maybe 
that you're willing to do something sounds a little scary, like you don't want to disappoint the other person. And so I don't know if you have any suggestions of just how to, first of all, really listen to yourself and really pay attention to what you're available for, and then how to feel okay with communicating that. Mm-hmm. So people-pleasing, I would say that is one of the shadows that, so within this wheel of consent, we have these different dynamics that appear when we have consent. So there is the dynamic of serving and accepting. So if Mm -hmm. I'm serving, I'm doing something for your benefit. I'm giving you the gift and I'm taking the action and you're accepting this gift that's coming towards you and you're being done too. The second dynamic is what we call the take-allow dynamic, where if I'm in taking, I'm receiving, and it's for me, and I'm taking the action. I'm, I'm moving toward what it is I want, and the person who's giving the gift is allowing. So they're allowing me to do what I want while taking care of their limits. So it's this mm-hmm. gift of access. So when we talk about... Um, some of the dynamics that play out um, for many of us who are taught that giving is better than receiving and Mm -hmm. we're taught to be generous in our giving, um, we can have this tendency of being a a people pleaser um, or going along with whatever's happening and trying to be nice Mm -hmm. and just let it happen because it's what somebody else wants, even if we're not in our willingness so we learn these patterns of behavior and they're really, they're, they're survival strategies. So in some cases, this, the people pleasing and going along can be um, based on attachment um, styles, what we've learned. Um, it can be based on a trauma response. Um, so the fawning response that it's actually safer for me to be nice and take care of the other and Mm -hmm. try and do all the right things to keep the other person happy, that it creates a sense of safety in our own body. Um, It can also be from, from conditioning in our family system, in our culture, in our religion, all of these things that tell us how we're supposed to behave and what's appropriate Mm -hmm. behavior. Um, And so we learn all of these things that, that teach us this is what's appropriate. And so stepping out of that shadow into full consent, we have to start to notice what are our limits. And, and that requires us to slow down and notice what's happening in my body. So mm-hmm. when someone asks me for something, what do I notice in my body? Do I notice contraction? Do I notice expansion? Do I notice butterflies in my belly? Do I notice tightening in my muscles? So all of that can give us information about our level of willingness. Sometimes we need more information. It's like, well, for how long do you want this? Or um, tell me more details about what what that entails. Um, And so slowing down and noticing, okay, how's my body responding? How available do I feel? How resourced do I feel? Do I have Mm -hmm. all the information to make a clear, um, give a clear response? We don't often give ourselves that space 
to notice what's happening. Yeah. And, and we can go into this automatic mode of being polite, um, wanting to give people what they want and need. And mm-hmm. so just that simple act of slowing down a bit and, and checking in like, okay, what's actually happening inside of me? How am I feeling yeah. about this? And then being able to actually have the courage to say, you know what, That's, I'm not feeling like I can offer that right now, or I'm not feeling mm-hmm. available for that, or I'm not available right now, but maybe later. Um, so practicing a no mm-hmm. can also be really helpful. And you might even have a, a person that, that you practice this with. Uh, you might you might have a conversation with a partner and say, you know what, I'm going to practice my no. Um, you know, are you willing to be in this practice with me? And and when they ask for something, practice saying no and see see what comes up. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine there might be some discomfort, there might be some shame that comes up, um, there might be some fear. You know, oftentimes we don't say no because we're afraid of losing connection. Yeah, we want to to stay in connection with someone and. And so there's this idea that, well, to be in connection, I have to be available all the time. Mm-hmm. And so noticing that, okay, there may be something I want here, which is to maintain connection. And I also notice that I have limits around my availability right now. And so that might be practicing, a, you know, I'm a no to that, but I'm a yes to you. Mm-hmm. Or... I'm a no to that, but could we find something else? And this is really a practice. Yeah. I love the advice about just slowing down. I think that that helps so much to just be able to start listening to your body, first of all, because our bodies are always communicating with us. Um, And really being able to speak and communicate what we are feeling is so important rather than just people pleasing and going along with it because when we do push those things down and just go along, like that's how we continue to cut ourselves off and start numbing out from what's actually Mm -hmm. happening around us and why so many of us have issues with just being disconnected from our bodies in general and not feeling sensations and, and just so many other problems that come up by not listening to and like speaking our boundaries. Um, and mm-hmm. our limits. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a practice that I do in my classes of having people be in the practice of asking for things that they want. So making a request and tracking what they're noticing in their body as they tune into what is it that I want right now? What would feel good? And tracking out loud, like, okay, I'm noticing. I'm noticing I'm actually a little bit hungry and oh, something that would be really nice is if, um, you know, somebody brought me my favorite meal. Oh, will, will you come over and and cook my favorite meal for me? Mm -hmm. And just noticing, like speaking out loud that process of, okay, what's happening in my body right now? What am I noticing? Then how do I turn that into a request? And on the other side of it, have the other person track and notice what's happening in their body as they tune in and and check, 
are they a yes or are they a no to this? Mm-hmm. And so it might be if I'm on the other side and, and someone, I hear that from someone, I might notice, oh, like, yeah, I'm noticing, like hearing that you're hungry. I really want to do something to help you. I'm also noticing there's a bit of tension in my chest and I'm thinking about all the things I need to do today. So I'm, I'm finding that there's this tension of wanting to help, but not really knowing if I have the time to do that. And so I'm just going to pay attention that, yeah, there's, there's more tension there than there is expansion. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to say no, that I'm not mm-hmm. available to come and cook you that meal. Yeah. And just that process of speaking out loud, what we're each experiencing actually creates a stronger sense of connection Yeah. than if we I mean, just came out and said, will you, will you cook me dinner? And the answer is no. It's like, <gasps> yeah, just hearing that it was like, that felt so good. Just like hearing you kind of explain that interaction, because usually we just give an answer and then the other person makes up a story about why they gave that answer. But in this example, like you're actually hearing the story play out and mm-hmm. it feels so much better. I love that. Yeah. I suggest it for everybody. <laughs> Try yeah, it out. I love it. <laughs> Next time you notice like, what you want, kind of talk it through. And when someone asks something of you to, to talk out, what am I noticing about that? And where am I? And what do I need? And can I do that or not? It's a great practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing um, that was coming up as you were just explaining, kind of giving and receiving is just, it reminded me of the erotic blueprints, um, which is the work that I do with just figuring out what your sex language is, and really understanding what your partner's sex language is because you can have mismatched desires. And so you might be an energetic erotic blueprint and your partner is a sexual erotic blueprint. And so just understanding like what their access point is to turn on is so important. So I just think it's really cool how that like overlaps with consent and knowing your desires and knowing what to ask for is just really interesting how they all kind of inter- intertwine with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it also, it brings it back to the differences between what we want and what we're willing to engage in. Mm-hmm. And so if my turn on is, um, if my turn on is energetics and your turn on is, um, is touch and sensuality, mm-hmm. then if, if we're trying to find a place to meet, both of our wants may not match. Mm-hmm. But if I know your want is for, for touch and sensuality, and I can connect to my willingness, and, and I can give that to you with a full heart, from my, this place of willingness, um, then I can bring that gift to you and, and engage with you in a way that, that is fulfilling for you. And then at some other time, I might want you to engage with me in a way that speaks to my language around sensuality and sexuality. And, and you may come with your willingness. It, it wouldn't be the thing that you would choose but you can step into this place of giving me that gift of engaging mm-hmm. in a way that I want to. 
And so we both can find ways to get our needs met around that and, and avoid that, you know, bumping up against each other of trying to make it work for both of us being in the same wanting. Yeah. And it can be fun, like trying to explore those different like areas with each other. It doesn't have to be like, I don't want to do this, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it can be a, it can be a playful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So with the like giving and receiving and um, taking and allowing, I think those are the four uh, kind of quadrants of the will of consent or was I right? about what the four different so there's kind of areas the, are. the serve and ex- serve and accept which most people think of giving and receiving yes and then the take take and allow okay so can you kind of break that down just a little bit for us because we've mm-hmm. been talking about like yes. all of those different aspects but like what does that exactly mean mm-hmm. yeah so most people when they think about giving and receiving they think about giving as the person who's doing. And the person who's receiving, it's for them and they're done to. So (laughs) the classic example would be massage. So if I'm giving you a massage, I'm doing the action and I'm giving you the gift. And you're receiving that gift and this is what you want. And so that's Mm -hmm. what most of us think of as giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. But there's another way that we can receive and another way that we can give. And so we can receive by taking action for ourselves and moving toward what it is we want. And we can give a gift of access by being done too. Mm -hmm. And so an example of this would be there's, I want uh, physical connection. I want touch. And instead of asking you to touch me for my benefit, which would be the the serve accept example, I might ask you, may I touch you for my benefit? Mm -hmm. So I want to, to move toward you. I want to feel you. I want to feel myself against you and you're giving me the gift of access to your mm-hmm. body. Yeah. And so I do what I want and it's for me and you give this gift and you're done too. Right. And so it's a different way of relating <laughs> um, than what most of us think about when we think mm-hmm. about giving and receiving. Yeah. And so an, an, an example, if I use the same, if we talked about hugs, so I might give you a hug and um, let me think, how do I want to frame this? <laughs> so we often engage in hugs with people without really thinking about what's the dynamic that's happening. Mm-hmm. So I might see you and see that maybe you look sad and I want to reach out and I want to put my arms around you to comfort you. And so I might say, you know, do you want a hug? And I give you that hug. So Mm -hmm. I'm putting my arms around you. I'm, I'm giving you a squeeze or holding you and it's for you. 
I could also do the same action, but it's for me. Mm -hmm. So I might say, I've had a hard day. May I put my arms around you and just squeeze you because it's what I want and what I need right now. Mm -hmm. So same action, but who it's for changes. It's different. Yeah. I'm either it's hugging so, you for you, yeah. for your benefit, or I'm hugging you for me. Mm -hmm. I love being able to kind of... And it feels different in our body. It does. It does feel different. And so why do you... Like, why is it important to decipher that? Like, because it feels good. Like, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this goes all the way back <laughs> to our <laughs> infancy. So if you imagine an infant crawling around and they're picking up stuff and they're squeezing it and they're rubbing it on their skin, they're picking up objects, they're putting it in their mouth. So as infants, we all used touch as a way of taking in information and making sense of our world. Mm -hmm. We all have that impulse to reach out and feel up the things around us. It brings mm -hmm. us joy. It brings us satisfaction. It helps us feel connected to the world around us, including wanting to reach out <laughs> and feel up other people. Yeah. I watch my nephews but put everything's into their mouths. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you yeah. may start noticing, watching and, and noticing some different things. So, so this is our, I consider this to be our most natural state. And it's a state of innocence. It's like, yeah, I just want to reach out and grab things and feel them and cuddle them and nuzzle yeah. and, and, you know, all of these different desires that we have to feel mm -hmm. the world, including other people. Yeah. But at some point as an infant, we were told, don't touch that. Don't put that in your mouth. That's dirty. Don't <laughs> touch yourself. Mm -hmm. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So we then started to get these messages that it's not okay. It's not okay to feel things around us. It's not okay to feel ourselves. And so oftentimes we cut off that part of ourselves, that access point to taking in information. Mm -hmm. But we still have the impulses. So what do we yeah. do with it? And in our culture, we either suppress it and then we steal it and take it without consent. If you think about the whole Me Too movement, this was people who wanted something. They wanted to do something for their benefit. They wanted to mm -hmm. take Mm -hmm. but they didn't know how to create a consensual container for that. Yeah. And so they stole it and it becomes abuse. Our other option is we suppress it. We cut off parts of ourselves, which bleeds out in different ways, or we become really good at giving mm -hmm. and we hide our desires to reach out and feel someone up. And so we make an offer instead. Oh, would you like a massage? I can give you a good back rub. <laughs> and, and so oftentimes behind that offer 
is really, I want to get my hands on you, but it's not okay for me to say that. And so I'm going to frame it as an offer for you instead. Mm -hmm. Yep. And in and that you can process, feel that. You I'm going to feel that too. You can I feel, feel it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that can sometimes feel muddy and murky and, and it's like you can feel that someone's trying to, to take mm -hmm. something from you in that process. Yep. And it just, it yep. feels icky. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for me, this work is so important. It is not, it's not a new concept. These dynamics are not new ways of behaving, but it's actually bringing language and a framework to understand dynamics that are happening all around us all the time. And oftentimes those dynamics are happening outside of consent. Mm -hmm. And so once we understand what the dynamics are, we can start to bring more awareness and more clarity in asking for the things that we really want. Whether that's, I want you to do something for me, or I want to do something for myself. And giving ourselves permission to want, giving ourselves the space and the freedom to expand into the fullness of our desire and to have the language and the tools to create those agreements in a way where we can both honor what we want and we can respect the limits of the person who's giving to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that explanation. I feel like that just so beautifully kind of summed up what consent is and why it's so important. And thank you. I love that explanation. <sighs> is there anything else that is just coming up for you or that you'd want to share about consent? Um. Oftentimes, people think consent is only needed for new encounters. And there are, there are lots of, it's like, yeah, now all of these misconceptions about consent are coming up. So, so yeah, there's one, one misconception around consent is that I only need it when I meet someone for the first time. Or, you know, if I'm in a place and I want something and then I have to ask for it. And once I get into a relationship, I have full access to this other body. Mm. That is an important misconception that regardless of the length of our commitment to one another, we are still autonomous beings and we have needs and desires and we have limits, um, both in what we're willing to engage with, with our partner in any given moment um, and, and differences in, in what we want in any given moment. And so I think the, this also can keep relationships alive and juicy. You know, if we start to assume that we know our partner or our partner knows us mm -hmm. and they should know what we want and they should know how to please us. Yep. Or they're my partner, and so I have unlimited access to their body. We can get into some some destructive patterns of behavior, and so keeping this in mind that what we want changes, 
It changes moment to moment, day to day, year to year. Mm -hmm. And, and so keeping the, the lines of communication open in a relationship is so important to check in and notice like, is there anything that you want? Is there anything that I can do for you? Or, you know, tell me if there's anything I can do even better. And, and keeping that dialogue going and noticing the places where we get into patterns of behavior and start to make assumptions about what we think the other person wants or needs and mm -hmm. pause and check in and ask. And it doesn't mean we have to ask every time we touch our partner. Yeah. I've actually had been in relationships where we base, you know, we create a container for our relationship and, and give each other permission. Um, you know, you can have access to my body whenever you want, wherever you want. And I will speak up for my mm -hmm. limits and let you know in any given moment, if I'm not available, um, right. that might be in the grocery store or wherever, <laughs> like I'll speak up and, you know, no, don't, don't touch me here. Um, so that's one kind of like open agreement that you can create with your partner of, of giving this gift of access to each other's bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and then speaking up when there's, you know, when there's a limit or when it's not okay. Um, I've also had a blanket agreement for a relationship where we have an agreement that if there's anything that I want or need, I'll, I'll speak up and ask you for it. So mm -hmm. you don't have to guess or assume. And then beyond that, we can give each other gifts. If there's something that I see that I want to help you with, I can jump in and help. Um, but that's no longer the default for how we relate. Yeah. It's both taking responsibility that I have wants and I'll speak up for them. I'll ask for the things that I want and need. And then from that place, we can give each other gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that just feels so good and just such a better place to be coming at, you know, coming into a relationship from is a place of self-responsibility where you're both speaking up for your wants and needs and, and limits. Um, so thank you. Um, yeah, I think the, the two biggest things that I'm kind of taking away from this conversation are just to slow down and to allow it to be a continuous conversation and it's okay for things to change and evolve and, um, allow new things to come up and, and communicate. I love that example of like communicating what's coming up for you as you're sharing your story um, rather than just like allowing them into your world of that story that's happening as you're making a decision. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Such a pleasure to be in conversation with you. Sacred grateful to be able to share so openly about all things sex and relationships. So if you loved this episode, share it with your friends, subscribe, and I would love if you could leave me a review in the iTunes store. And as a free gift, I'll share with you a guided sacred womb meditation. Simply email a screenshot of your review over to Stephanie at coachingbystephanie.com and I'll send you over this beautiful meditation. Thank you.